This is the Read Your Bible Podcast, the daily podcast designed to help you understand and apply the scriptures. Nothing will grow your relationship with Jesus Christ more than studying the Bible for yourself. I'm your host, Drew Tankersley, and for the next few moments, I want to invite you to join me as we dive into God's Word together. We'll ask God to help us see what He wants us to see so that we can be who He wants us to be. One of the great dangers of our contemporary culture today is to paint God in a broad, generous stroke of His grace and to minimize His holiness and justice. In a world of sinners, the notion of a holy God who punishes and judges sin is a far less attractive picture than a God who coddles our proclivities and minimizes our deficiencies. The problem with that view is that it just doesn't square with the Bible, or with the gospel for that matter. And yet, the gospel is the good news, the greatest news of all. But a faithful proclamation of that gospel boasts of his grace without minimizing his holiness and judgment. Herein lies its beauty. God is at once holy and gracious, forgiving and just. And understanding the dynamic tension of these attributes in this way not only is important, It's the doorway to the majestic beauty and reverent awe with which every Christian should address God the Father. And as we look today at Isaiah 66, we're going to see that in detail. The first two verses of Isaiah 66 read, My hand made all these things, and so they all came into being. This is the Lord's declaration. I will look favorably on this kind of person, one who is humble submissive in spirit, and trembles at my word. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where could you possibly build a house for me? And where would my resting place be? Now, up until this point, the Jewish people had interacted with God through the sacrifices. This system mediated their relationship. When they sinned, they sacrificed. When the nation sinned, they sacrifice. When they needed direction and counsel, they sacrificed. When they needed protection, they sacrificed. Over and over, the act of the offering became almost a good luck charm. It was as if this is how we get God on our side, and it became more of a ritual than a physical reflection of a heart condition. Eventually, God began to reject their sacrifices because their hearts were not in them. Indeed, their hearts had turned away from God and onto other idols. This chapter records how God would reject their sacrifice and their offering because their hearts had fallen away. He will reject and destroy those who continue to walk in their rebellion. The prophet warns of God's impending wrath on those who would continually reject him or those who continually walk in idolatry. He is speaking of the truth of a future wrath on all who are stubborn and insist on worshiping their God in their way. God's fierce wrath and anger will be upon those who rejected him. After he has shown them so much grace and mercy and forbearance and love, they continue to decline, and God will judge them for their obstinate rebellion. Now, we don't like to talk about this God of wrath, this God who judges sin. We choose instead to only paint with the colors of grace and mercy. 
but it is the depth of contrast between a God of dark, fierce wrath and brilliant, glorious grace that makes God worthy of our admiration. You see, he must punish sin if he is to be a holy God. His glory and his justice and his perfection, they're all glorified when God punishes sin and his grace and mercy and love are glorified when he atones for sin. Hence, the power and the glory of the cross. Because in one act, for those who believed, God poured out his wrath for their sin upon Jesus, while simultaneously extending grace and mercy to those who would trust him. So we see God's judgment, his holiness upheld, and his grace extended. God promises that he will look favorably on the humble, that's the poor in spirit, and submissive, it's the broken, man who trembles at his word. The idea is that God will look favorably on the man who owns his own brokenness, who acknowledges a desperate need for God, who trembles at his word. He speaks of the coming kingdom of Zion and a time where the people of God will flourish like grass. The chapter ends with a promise for those who receive him. For just as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make will remain for me, this is the Lord's declaration, so your offspring and your name will remain. All humanity will come to worship me from the one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, says the Lord. Now, as we seek to apply these things, we can do all the rituals that we want for God. But are we willing to acknowledge our poor brokenness, submitting our hearts and lives to his word? This humility is the posture of the man that God looks upon intently with a view toward blessing. I can't put on airs with God. I can't dupe him into blessing me because I thought of the right formula and brought it to him for the sacrifice. No, I have to come in the posture of brokenness, humbling myself in desperation for him. Now, in verse 2 of chapter 66, we see the heart on which God looks favorably. That person who comes submissively to God, humbly accept, accepting this sacrifice for their sin. One who trembles at God's word with a posture that both fears God because of his wrath, governing our obedience, and yet at the same time loves him, motivating our worship. This is the way we must come to God if we would live in the land of God's presence. Chapter 65 tells us of a new heaven and a new earth that God will prepare for those who come to him in this way. Verse 17 reads, For I will create a new heaven and a new earth. The past events will not be remembered or come to mind. Then be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I will create Jerusalem to be a joy and its people to be my delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will no longer be heard in her. Now, all of this is speaking with a dwelling place for those who come to God in humility, who accept Jesus' death as the payment for their sins, and who humbly accept God's gift of salvation as the sole basis for their entrance. Their lives will be marked by their submission to this gospel, and it will cost in discipleship, having abandoned everything else to submit to this word. They will be trembling at God's word, doing their best to walk obediently in it. 
For those who have done this, they will escape the wrath of this just and holy God. They will enter this new Jerusalem to enjoy the pleasures and fellowship with a holy and just God based on the sacrifice of Jesus on their behalf and their submissive and straightforward trust in it. So Jesus, as we come to you today, we thank you for the gospel that rescues us from the wrath to come. Thank you for your death on the cross that at once appeased God's wrath over my sin and offered me salvation through your sacrifice and your blood. Help me live obediently today and develop a posture of submission to your word and your plans. We acknowledge our brokenness. You know our hearts and desires. May we come to your word humbly trembling with the recognition of your power. Help us to crucify the selfishness that is so antithetical to our submission to you. And we worship you because of your holiness and grace. And our obedience is a response to such a glorious sacrifice. In your name, amen. Thanks for joining us today for the Read Your Bible podcast. For show notes to today's episode, please visit readyourbible.info. While you're there, you can listen to past episodes as well as access a host of additional resources designed to help you grow in your faith. It's all there for you at readyourbible.info. That's readyourbible.info. For more information about South Seminole Baptist Church, just go to southseminole.com. Join us again tomorrow as together we help you learn to read your Bible.